Welcome to the City Church Cardiff podcast. We're an Elim Pentecostal church in the centre of Cardiff, dedicated to bringing hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired and impacted by this message. Well, great to see you here today, church, on this Good Friday. This weekend where we celebrate the most momentous event in the history of the entire world. Jesus, who died on the cross, who took on the sin of the world, and then he rose again and he defeated death. It is the most life-bringing, hope-filled news that we could ever hear. It's the biggest event in history, and that's what we're marking this weekend. Now, we're currently in a sermon series called The Crimson Thread, where we're looking at the theme of the blood of Jesus, the crimson thread of salvation that runs through the entirety of Scripture. And today we mark this special event when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus willingly went and laid down his life and shed his blood so that we could live. You know, God is love. God is kind and God is good and he is just and he's holy. But human beings, we've gone against him. We've tried to live life without God. There's stuff that we think and say and do that goes against the loving and just and holy nature of God. It's called sin. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it's sin that separates us from God but God promised a Messiah, promised a Savior. You know, all through Scripture, we can read that God had a plan, that he was going to send a Messiah to save us. He promised that he would save his people. And Jesus, he's the fulfillment of those promises. He came as the ultimate sacrifice for us, laying down his life so that we could have life. Now, so far in this series, we've looked in Genesis at the blood that covers. We've looked in Exodus at the blood that delivers, and then on to Leviticus at the blood that atones. And today, we're going to move on to the book of Joshua, and we're going to be talking about the blood that speaks hope, the blood that speaks hope. Now, in the book of Joshua, which you can find in the Old Testament, we can read the story of a woman called Rahab. Rahab was a Canaanite who lived in the city of Jericho, and she was a prostitute. Now, the context is that the people of Israel, they're on their way to the promised land, and Joshua's now in charge. Joshua's leading the way after the death of Moses. And Joshua sends off two spies to spy out the land, specifically into Canaan and and looking at the city of Jericho, the stronghold of Jericho. This is the land that had been promised to the people of Israel. And so the spies, they go to Jericho, and they end up hiding at Rahab's house, And the king of Jericho, he hears of their arrival, and he says to Rahab, bring out, he he sends word to her, bring out these men that have been hiding. Bring out these men who they come to spy out the land. They're here to spy. But Rahab keeps their cover. Rahab tells the king's men um, that they've been and gone. They've they've gone already. In fact, you better go quickly if you're going to catch up with them. And so let's pick up the story in Joshua 2 from verse 8, which says, Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. 
When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, we'll treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, Go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. Now the men said to her, The oath that you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you've tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and unless you've brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. If any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath that you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Now this is a striking and quite surprising story. Here in the book of Joshua, we find this Canaanite woman, a woman living in a, a pagan culture of idol worship and immorality. We don't know Rahab's background or what led her into prostitution, but we can see these amazing events in this story that help us to understand God's love and grace and ultimately the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And so the first striking thing that we see in this story is Rahab's faith, Rahab's faith. Now, when she goes to speak to the spies that are hiding on her roof, she says that she knows that God has given them the land, that she's heard of the amazing miracles that God has performed. And then she says this, when we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. This pagan woman acknowledges God as God. In fact, she calls God Yahweh, the covenant name that Israel would have used, the personal name that Israel would have used for God. In this incredible statement, she declares her faith in the God of miracles, her belief in the God above all, the God who is mighty, the God that she believes can save her and her family. Who recognizes the name Ken Olson? Anyone? No. Who recognizes the name Dick Rowe? No. Uh, Daryl Zanuck? Anyone? No. No. Okay. Well, let me tell you about these three people. Ken Olson was the person who in 1977 said, there is no reason anyone would want a computer in their home. Dick Rowe worked for Decca Records and is the man reported to have rejected the Beatles, saying the Beatles have no future in show business and guitar groups are on their way out. And Daryl Zanuck was a film producer who once said, television won't last because people will soon get tired of staring at a plywood box every night. Now, we probably don't know these three names because history doesn't celebrate the ones who say it's not possible. The naysayers are not the people who inspire us. The it'll never work crew aren't celebrated and marked for their wisdom and foresight. By contrast, who knows the name Noah? Who knows the name Abraham? Who knows the name Sarah? 
Now, in the Bible, Hebrews 11 is like this hall of fame for the heroes of our faith, where a list of people are celebrated for their faith in God. People like Noah and Abraham and Sarah are all marked for their daring faith in God. And in amongst this list of the heroes of the faith, we find Rahab. Hebrews 11, verse 31, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. You know, we often hear this phrase, blind faith, don't we? Because for a lot of people, seeing is believing. When we see something, that's when we'll know that it really did happen. If it didn't happen right in front of you, then we're not sure that it actually did happen. Particularly if it's not posted on Instagram. Did you really do that thing? Not really sure. Sometimes people think the only option is blind faith. It's almost guesswork, you know? There's no actual evidence for it happening. But biblical faith is entirely difference. Biblical faith isn't blind. It isn't guesswork. It isn't it may be or maybe didn't happen. It's based on the promises of God and on the character of God. This is the kind of faith that Rahab demonstrates, a faith where she's heard about God and she's made a choice to believe in God for herself. And as she hangs this scarlet thread in her window, it's an image of the trust that she's placing in God, that he will save her and her family. This scarlet cord that she hangs in a window, it reminds us of the blood of a Passover lamb that was painted over the doors uh, during the Exodus so that the angel of death would pass over those houses that were marked, would pass by, and the people inside those houses would be protected. They'd be safe from death. And of course, all of those things are a foreshadowing of the event that we mark today. Jesus laying down his life and dying on the cross for us. Jesus shedding his blood and dying so that we could have life to save us from a certain death. This is the faith that we're called to today. Faith in Jesus and the sacrifice that he made on the cross. Romans 3 verse 25 says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. This is the kind of faith that says, I'll believe in the promises of God. I'll trust in God Almighty. I'll trust in his character. I can be confident of his love because of his sacrifice for me on the cross. We can have a bold faith in the God that can do immeasurably more. Faith in God that he loves us and that he cares about us and that he wants us to live eternally with him. Faith in God that he will transform the lives of our loved ones. Faith in God that he can transform our city and our nation. Faith in God that our children will go further and do even more than we could ever have dreamed of. Faith in God that we will see Christians who will be salt and light in their homes and in their workplaces. Faith in God that he is transforming and loving and good and that we will see revival in this nation. What have you got faith for today? What have you got faith for today? What is God speaking to you about on this Good Friday? Because I tell you, if Easter tells us anything, it's that anything is possible with God. So you can have bold faith in the God who can do immeasurably more. Corrie ten Boom said, Faith hears the inaudible, sees the invisible, believes the incredible, and receives the impossible. Now, in this story of Rahab, it shows us that even the most unlikely people can believe and be saved. Even those who we think are unlikely can have faith in God. Are you ashamed of your past? You can believe and be saved. 
Have you put your trust in status and wealth? You can believe and be saved. You're living a double life. You can believe and be saved. Have you lost hope? You can believe and be saved. Are you wondering what your purpose is in the world? What is life all about? You can believe and be saved. No matter who you are and where you have been, you can believe and you can be saved. And so the first thing that we see in this story is Rahab's faith. The second thing is Rahab's action. Now, when we truly believe something, when it's a genuine belief, it affects our actions. Now, Christianity is not a works-based religion. We don't do stuff to make God like us. God already loves us immeasurably. We don't need to get his attention. But we do act out of our beliefs. We do act based on what we believe. Our faith should cause us to live like we believe in God, to spend like we believe in God, to use our time like we believe in God, to love other people like we believe in God. You know, what we truly believe impacts us from the inside out. What we believe about our identity, what we believe about what's going on in the world, what we believe about what happened at Easter, what we believe about these events that we're marking, it should affect everything that we do, how we approach things, how we think, how we act, what we do. You know, our beliefs are not just some sort of nice, warm, fuzzy feeling inside. They're lived out, they're demonstrated, and they should affect every single part of our lives. You know, the events of Easter provoke a response. We can't be passive in response to the claims that Jesus died and that he rose again. I believe that the events that we celebrate this weekend really happened. I believe that what we mark today really happened, that Jesus died on the cross I believe that he loved me and you and the whole world so much that he willingly gave up his life and took on the sin of the world. And I believe that on the third day he rose again and he defeated death, that he conquered sin and death so that we could have eternal life. I believe that when I die, I'm going to heaven and I'm going to see Jesus face to face and that is going to be a glorious and wonderful and incredible moment. And I believe it's true. I believe it is true. And what I believe affects how I live my life. Because if I believe all those things, it's got to affect everything that I think and say and do. I want to build my whole life around what I believe to be true, what I believe actually happened. You know, in the book of James in the Bible, Rahab is commended for the demonstration of her faith. James 2, 25 to 26 says, in the same way, Was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. See, Rahab demonstrated a faith that was alive, not dead. She hid the spies and she made this deal with them. She'll protect them if they protect her and her family when it comes time for the army to come and take the city. As they agree, our lives for your lives. Now she does this because she believes in God's power. She believes that the people who are following God will ultimately have the victory because God has the victory. And as she accepts the protection of God's people, she's rejecting the culture that she's living in. She's turning her back on this pagan, idol-worshipping culture. She's turning away from that and turning towards God. 
You know, because of Jesus' death on the cross, he's made a way for us to come into a living relationship with God, to turn away from sin, to turn away from our past and turn towards God. When I became a Christian, I prayed a prayer similar to one that we're going to pray in a short while. It's a prayer of repentance, a prayer saying, uh, sorry for the sin that I'd committed in my life, asking God for his forgiveness, which he freely gives and then committing to following Jesus for the rest of my life. And when I prayed that prayer, I had this picture in my mind, and I was stood with my back to the cross. And in my picture, in this mind, in my mind's eye, I just turned around and I faced Jesus. And that's what happens when you make a commitment, when you become a Christian, you turn away from the old life and you turn towards God. You turn to face Jesus. You turn to say, I want to follow you and go away from my old ways. Rahab demonstrated what she'd professed. She talked about this miracle working God, and then she put her faith into action. She put her trust in him to protect her and her family. Which leads us onto the third and most significant part of this story, Rahab's future. Now, Rahab does what the spies say. She ties a a scarlet cord in her window so that the army will know to to protect her and her family, that they'll pass by, that they won't, uh, that they'll ensure that her and her household are not destroyed. Now, this picture of this scarlet cord, this crimson thread in the window, it speaks of hope. Rahab's hope that her and her family would be saved, that Rahab's hope that her and her family would be spared from death. And just as Rahab had hope in this red cord, we can have hope in the blood of Jesus. We can have hope in the death, the sacrifice of Jesus. Our hope is solidified in Jesus. Jesus has done it. Jesus has paid the price. Jesus has cleared our debt so that we can have hope, a sure and certain hope. You know, hope isn't just a a wishful thinking. Hope isn't just trying to look on the bright side of things. It isn't just trying to be an optimist. You know how some people are just quite positive in their thinking? Hope isn't just mere positivity. Hope is rooted in the truth of God. It's biblical, not just merely psychological. It's not something that we have to kind of will ourselves into. And so the hope that we have in Jesus, it isn't a possibility. It's a certainty. It's a certain and sure hope in what Jesus has done, that Jesus has made a way, that Jesus has opened the door for us to be reconciled to God, that we can have life in all of its fullness because of what Jesus has done. And hope is the root that anchors us, that fixes us, no matter what comes to kind of knock us off course. We can be rooted and stable because of the hope that we have in Jesus. Hope in Jesus is the most powerful thing. Hope says that you can be debt-free after years of anxiety. Hope in Jesus says that you can overcome the depression that has plagued you for so long. Hope in Jesus said that you can be free of the addiction that you've been bound by for so long. Hope is defiant. Hope says there is more than this. Hope says that no one should have to live in food poverty because we know the one who satisfies. Hope says that no one should be lonely because we know the one who places the lonely into families. Hope says that Jesus, who died for us, gives us eternal life with God in heaven. When Jesus, dying on the cross, declared, it is finished, 
It was a statement of victory. He meant it's done. The rescue mission is accomplished. His once for all sacrifice has achieved what we could never do, which is to wash us clean of our sin and make a way for us to be in relationship with God. Now we pick up Rahab's story again in Joshua chapter 6 after the Israelites have marched around the city and the walls have been brought down and they go in to take the city. Then from verse 22, Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brothers and sisters and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her, because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. See, Rahab and her family, they're taken to safety, but not just that. They then live amongst the people of God. They then live amongst the people of Israel. It's this beautiful and incredible picture of how an outsider becomes an insider, of how an outsider is welcomed in as part of the family. See, she didn't stay outside of the camp, but was included amongst the people. This woman from an enemy nation, this pagan prostitute woman from Canaan, she belongs and she's part of the people of God. And even more than that, in the Gospel of Matthew, we read the genealogy of Jesus and there we find Rahab. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. So not only was Rahab included in God's people, she's actually in the family line of King David and of Jesus himself, mother of Boaz, Ruth's husband. If you've ever wondered where you fit in, if you've ever thought, is there a place for you? Know this, you can belong in God's family. There is a place for you in God's family tree. There is a place for you amongst God's people. There is a place for you because you are a child of God. God is in the business of transforming lives. He is in the business of bringing people into his family. There's always more room. There's always more room. God loves to grow his family. And you know what? He will do everything possible to bring people into relationship with him even to the point where he came to earth as a man and died on the cross to make a way for us to be in relationship with him, to make a way for us to be part of his family. Now, unlike the disciples on that first Friday, the day when Jesus died on the cross, we know the outcome. It's no longer a bad Friday, it's a good Friday. So as we gather today, we can confidently declare that this day is good. It's Good Friday because Sunday is coming. We know what happens. Rahab's faith impacted her actions and determined her future. As she hung that scarlet cord in her window, she was saved from death and brought into God's family. Jesus dying on the cross, shedding his blood for us means that He's defeated death, he's defeated sin, and we can be saved. We can have a sure and certain hope in him, confident that we can have access to God, confident that he's offering us eternal life with him, life in all of its fullness. 
The blood that speaks hope changes everything. Changes everything. It means that we can live as God intended us to live. It means that we can live as God created us to be. We can walk in the identity that only God can give to us. It means that no matter what our past is, our future can be with God. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Just as Rahab's faith led her to hang this scarlet cord in her window, the symbol that meant that she would be saved, that death would pass by. We can have faith in the blood of Jesus, knowing that he died for us so that we can have life, so that death can pass us by, so that we can be free. It truly is a good Friday today when we know that we're saved. It truly is a good day when we know that we are redeemed. It's a good day when we know that death has lost its grip on us and that we can have eternal life with God, that God wants to be in relationship with us and that we can have access to him, that we can talk to him, that we can um, encounter him, that we can experience his love, that we can know him. What a glorious day it is because Jesus died for us. Jesus died for me and Jesus died for you so that we can have relationship with God. And in that act of shedding his blood, he made a way to welcome us into his family. Now, I mentioned before about praying a prayer when I became a Christian and a prayer of asking for forgiveness for my sin, for the stuff that had separated me from God, for the stuff that I thought and done and said that went against God's holy and just and loving nature. And you see, when we come to God and ask for forgiveness, he always says yes. God doesn't turn his face away from us. God welcomes us with open arms. And so as we come to God and we ask for forgiveness and say that we want to follow him for the rest of our lives, God says, welcome to the family. And so we're going to pray a prayer like I prayed together now. We're going to pray it all together as a church, but this is particularly for you if you've never made a commitment to Jesus, if you haven't said yes yet to Jesus, but you know what? Today you've realized you want to be part of the family. And so let's say together, Jesus, I acknowledge that I've done wrong things and that my sin has separated me from you, but I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. Today I ask for your forgiveness and thank you for your gift of new life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I choose relationship with you, and I choose to live for you. Please come into my heart and change my life, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. To find out more, visit our website at citychurchcardiff.com or find us on social media.